these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river of Euphrates, the land of the Canaanites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Can we just for a moment uh, acknowledge the, the, the weirdness of what was just read for us? Uh, I mean, were you listening? Um, things escalate pretty quickly uh, from verse 1, actually. We see in verse 1, Abraham has a vision. Uh, what are we to do with that? Uh, then after that, uh, this thing called the word of the Lord appears to Abraham. And you kind of imagine uh, kind of his eyes roll in the back of his head uh, after this, um, it kind of turns into, well, a, a horror movie <laughs> because Abraham gathers some random animals and, and slices them in half. And while he's doing this, uh, some birds of prey, some weird birds of prey appear to start trying to disrupt things. And then in the middle of the chapter, well, he takes a nap. I mean, well, I mean well, this must have been very tiring work, slicing all these animals up. And while Abraham's asleep, this mysterious smoking firepot and flaming torch suddenly descend and pass through uh, the dead animals. Uh, to be quite frank, it sounds a bit to me like the Christmas episodes of EastEnders. Uh, the reality is that this is a strange passage, very strange indeed. And, 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 and what I'd say is the passage even ends strangely because it ends in this strange list of names that few of us could uh, truly pronounce, which leads me to say that forget church planting in post-Christian Western cities, the hardest area of the church to serve in is reading these scriptures on a Sunday morning. And the reality is that there is very little margin for error when you're saying names like Gergeshites. Now, this is undoubtedly one of the strangest verses in the Bible, and we do well just to acknowledge that. 
Okay, it is, it is odd. So feel free to turn to the person next to you and say, that was a little odd, wasn't it? Okay, you're allowed to do that. It's strange. It is really, really strange indeed. But I will say this, that the Bible, the Bible isn't strange for the sake of being strange. N not often anyway, not often. I mean, what, what, what is happening here really is that cultures are strange. That's what happens throughout the Bible. Like human culture is strange. We are strange in our cultures and this culture is really no different. Uh, let me put it to you this way. If for example, if for example, Abraham was reading the Bible and he essentially uh, saw that uh, in our generation, in our day and age, people, or some people, would essentially have lip injections or facial injections in the name of beauty, chances are Abraham would feel kind of, um, well, I'm sure his eyebrows would raise. I'm sure Abraham would feel that's very weird. Or if Abraham was to ask the question, if he was to ask the question, how do you show affection in 2021? It's a big, big part of life, how we show affection. How do you show affection? Well, what other way is there to show affection? We essentially go around giving each other uh, the people's elbow um, to tell them uh, our greeting. Uh, how about this one? This is, this is one that I'm sure we'll all be familiar with. The Masked Dancer, anyone? Anyone? Anyone seen that? Very, very strange behavior. Very strange indeed. And, and slightly scary as well, I would say. Or, or what about this one? one? One of my personal favorites. Ever seen WWE wrestling? What do you think Abraham would say to Big Daddy? What do you think Abraham would say about the undertaker? <laughs> or, or one closer to home, how about this one? Fluorescent Jurassic mini golf, like up at the marina. <laughs> now I've done this, and, and to be honest, uh, it's good fun, but it just needs to be said. We are all weirdos, we're all weirdos. That's the reality of things. So I say this to essentially explain, us in 2021 AD mustn't look down on those in 2100 BC, essentially thinking that they were kind of naive, easily deceived, stupid people who essentially beat their chest and dragged their knuckles on the ground because they weren't. And I'm pretty sure I saw this kind of behavior in WWE last week. So essentially what the Bible does do is the Bible uh, teaches and explains and displays men and women in their cultural settings. And God will use these cultures and customs to teach us things about himself. And, and nine times out of 10, if you were to kind of do a little bit of digging into uh, the, uh, what's kind of going on in passages like Genesis 15, strange and, and kind of weird passages to us, the vast majority of the time, the principle that underpins the cultural practice would actually be fairly common to us. It'd be kind of fairly well known. And so what we see happening here in this chapter is really a covenant-making process, a covenant make, the process of making a covenant. And what a covenant is, is essentially a contract. It's a contract that's on steroids, though, because a covenant really is a solemn binding, non-retractable agreement between uh, two parties. And how this would have worked is very much that two parties would have come together, they would have gathered animals, uh, just like Abraham, they would have cut them in two, 
and they would have placed them both sides of what shall we call, what we will call the covenant aisle. And what they would do is they would together walk through uh, the covenant aisle. And essentially what they were saying is that we agree to do all the things in this covenant. And if we don't, may we be as some of these animals to our left and to our right. They were making a, an agreement so strong that it required the sacrifice of animals in a, in, a, in a ceremony that was just completely just crazy. And we, we too have crazy, elaborate uh, covenant-making ceremonies. Uh, we call them weddings. Uh, ceremonies that seal a male and a female in a solemn, binding, non-retractable agreement between one another. And, and the truth is, in relation to our weddings, uh, just like kind of Abraham's ancient ceremony, animal sacrifice takes center stage at the wedding breakfast. And there is again the appearance of this fire and smoking pot from which the, uh, the, the sacrifice, if you like, is served. So all of these things are timeless features of, of covenant creation, true then and, and kind of true now. And in our passage, this, the person that is initiating this covenant, the person that is, is, is looking to uh, start it all off is this, this one called the word of the Lord. And it says this, Behold, the word of the Lord came to Abraham. What do you think that looks like? What does it look like for the word of the Lord to come to Abraham? Perhaps we can be forgiven for imagining kind of this sort of disembodied uh, voice that's sort of speaking to Abraham from the heavens. Or, or, or maybe you imagine kind of some words that are kind of just beamed into Abraham's head in some kind of super spiritual experience. But the word of the Lord is, is more than an experience because it refers to the word of the Lord as he. Uh, furthermore, Abraham is very practical with this word of the Lord. He, he gathers to him animals, which means that the word of the Lord wasn't merely an experience, but it was a title. There's a, there's a person stood before Abraham. This is what it says about Jesus in John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. The title is Jesus' title, meaning that Jesus is the word that was heard walking in the garden in the cool of the day in Genesis chapter 3. Jesus is the word that called Abraham and rebooted the whole process. Jesus is the word that became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Fast forward a couple of thousands of years, and we find Abraham, or excuse me, we find Jesus in the temple, and he's teaching, and some Pharisees come into dispute with him. Uh, Jesus starts in response speaking about Abraham. But he doesn't speak about, well, how should I put it? He speaks, to, he speaks on Abraham like they have real history together. He speaks on Abraham like they've really journeyed together. Jesus speaks about Abraham as if they're friends. He says this, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it, he saw it, 
and was glad. The Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and have you seen Abraham? The Jews, they, they knew exactly what Jesus was saying here. The truth is, he had, he had. It was Jesus all along. Abraham is having direct dealings with Jesus, the word of God, and it would be Jesus that initiates God's covenant with Abraham. But why? Well, he does this so that Abraham could have certainty, so Abraham can be confident. If you've journeyed uh, with us this last number of weeks, you will know that God has promised Abraham uh, descendants. He's promised him land. And, and God promised this to Abraham about five years before this point. And so five years had passed and Abraham had heard nothing. So what we see very much here is Abraham wrestling with the big questions. We see Abraham struggling with discouragement and delay. The questions that Abraham is wrestling with specifically are two of the biggest questions there are. Quite frankly, the two questions that humanity has been struggling with since the very beginning, perhaps the very two questions that you yourself are struggling with right now. One, God, can I really trust you? Two, God, are you really good? Abraham has, says this, he says, Oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. Translation, God, are you really good? He says, Oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Translation, can I really trust you? And this so often is the, the case for us. I mean, what Abraham is dealing with is God's promised him, of course, this, this child. When he was first promised, his wife was uh, 60 years old, roughly, and now she's 65, and her biological clock was sort of long gone, really, when she was 60. How much more when she's 65? It's almost like it's got harder. It's, in one sense, it's less likely to happen. It's like, God, why are you taking so long? Because it feels like this is just, it's, is it ever going to happen? It's got more difficult, and it's so often the case for us, isn't it? What's it for you? Perhaps you feel God has promised you something. Maybe you've read this book and you've seen promises. You think, oh, that, that's mine in Jesus Christ because I believe in Jesus, it's true for me. It's yes and amen. But perhaps you, there's been delay. Maybe when God first promised it to your heart, you thought, oh man, this is a, <laughs> this is a stretch. Uh, this, is, this is improbable. Maybe this is even, even impossible. But now so much time has passed, you think, goodness, it's even more impossible. It's just, how, is this, how could this possibly happen? God said it, but I don't see him honouring his word in this anymore. What is it for you? Maybe for you it is a child like it was for Abraham. Or maybe it's a job or, or, or someone that you know is walking away from Jesus. Maybe it's a, a calling that you have had. Or maybe it's you've longed to get on the property ladder. And that opportunity seems to have been taken away from you or certainly drifting away from you as time has gone on what is it for you the bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick dear friend where is your heart sick where is your heart sick so how does abraham deal with his discouragement how does abraham deal with delay 
Well, Abraham, he takes it to the Lord in prayer. He begins to pray. He, he gets in God's face. He begins to, to, to wrestle with God. He, he, he cries out and says, Oh, Lord God. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been in a situation where you're just so desperate and you find yourself sort of praying, maybe even if, you, even, even if you've never really prayed before and you've just found yourself saying, Oh, Lord God. Oh, God. This is what Abraham says. He says, Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. Oh, Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Interestingly, between these two um, prayers of Abraham, the Bible says that um, Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. So these two uh, statements are actually not an expression of kind of disowning God. They're they're actually a, a kind of manifestation of a kind of faith. Essentially, it's part of faith to to press in. It's part of faith to dare to wrestle with God. It's part of faith to, uh, with a reverent heart, begin again to ask God for the things that he has promised. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Man ought always to pray and never give up. Nehemiah says, should a man such as me give up? Should we just give up then? Dear friend, let me challenge you. Rouse yourself. Begin again to ask for the things that he's promised you. This is why Jesus utters these immortal words. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. How does God respond to Abraham? That's how Abraham responds to God. But how does God respond back? All this praying and faith. Says this, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. God's saying here, Get me a solicitor. Bring me a contract. God has promised Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm going to do these things. And I'm good for my word. I'm God. I'm not a man that I should lie. But God here is kind of almost racking his brain, thinking, how can I demonstrate to Abraham just how committed to my own word I am? How can I display to Abraham just how committed to Abraham himself I am and he begins the process of creating a covenant and then some some pretty unusual things happen there's a series of unusual events after Abraham brings these animals to God it says this and when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses Abraham drove them away he drove them away What a strange verse. Think, why is this included in in the Bible, this specific detail? And it may well be that these birds of prey represent a kind of uh, demonic opposition that's seeking to stop the creation of a covenant. Uh, We kind of see this in Jesus' life with his friend Peter, where Peter is kind of almost desperately trying to stop Jesus ultimately going to the cross and creating a covenant 
Jesus is firm with Peter. He's firm. He, he says, get behind me, Satan. Uh, Jesus understood that there's something more sinister behind uh, what Peter was doing here. And, and he immediately kind of nips it in the bud. And, and this is what Abraham is doing. He's, he's kind of being like Jesus, kind of batting these birds of prey away that would disrupt this covenant. And, and the truth is, there is one that would seek to prevent you from entering into relationship with God for the first time. There's one who is very busy being a bird of prey. There's one that hates you and hates God and doesn't want to see you come into a new agreement with God, to come to terms with God, to come into covenant with God. And we do well to be real about that. We read on. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Abraham is here put to sleep. And this sleep kind of mirrors um, earlier on in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 2, where uh, after having dealt with the animals, uh, Adam, the first man, would be put to sleep himself. And it, it says out of his side, Eve, his wife, was, was taken. And, and here with Abraham, we see something similar. Uh, Abraham is put to sleep, and it's almost like out of his side, the long-promised children of Israel would be taken out. And then God speaks in that moment about the, the destiny of those children, about how they will suffer in, in Egypt. In, in the next book of the Bible, he prophesies that he, he speaks about what's going to happen. And then after this happens, this, this flame, smoking pot and uh, flaming torch come down. And these, this is clearly, this is God himself. And with the animals on each side of the the covenant isle, God himself would pass between the animals. The ancient tradition was that both parties making the covenant would, would, would pass together. Here God does it alone. God's saying to Abraham, Abraham, you, you go to sleep. This is something that I am going to do for you. This doesn't depend on you, Abraham. It doesn't depend on your works. It doesn't depend on your efforts. It doesn't depend on how hard you try. I take this solemn oath alone. And in this, in these stunning turn of events, God would essentially be saying to Abraham, Abraham, if I do not keep my promise to you, may I... God most high be brought low. May I, the father of lights, dwell in darkness. May I, the fount of all blessing, become cursed. May I, the rock of ages, be dashed to pieces. May I, the author of life, be put to death. 25 years later, God would give Abraham his long-promised son, Isaac, the son, the son of promise, but it didn't happen immediately. Abraham had to, had to persevere through, through these things. But Abraham didn't persevere as one who didn't have any hope. Abraham persevered as one full of hope, full of confidence, as he remembered the, the, the un, unforgettable covenant that God would make with him. 
the covenant where God swore on his own life. And this reminds me of another covenant. This reminds me of another time when God would go to extreme lengths. Another time when God would descend. Another time where God would be prepared to die. Another night where friends would fall asleep. It says this, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. It goes on and says, And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and find them, found them sleeping. A Jesus would, he would take the, the walk, he would walk the walk alone, carrying the heavy cross representative of our sin. He carried it on his back. And here once again, God would pass between animals. Only this time the animals were saying, crucify him. Crucify him, crucify him. As they spat at him, pulled the hairs out of his beard, as they cursed him. And even as a bride walks down the covenant aisle to at the end of the aisle meet her destiny, so too Jesus would walk the aisle to meet his destiny alone. And there they crucified him. And where Abraham where Abraham sawed animals in two so that the presence of God would come. At the, at the death of Jesus, the curtain was torn in two so that the presence of God would come. Jesus walked the walk that we could not walk and perfectly performed all of our obligations to God. God being such a covenant keeper, that not only was he willing to keep his obligations to us, but he was prepared to become a man just so that he could fulfill our obligations to him. God said that he was prepared to die. He was prepared to die for Abraham. He was prepared to die to keep his promises. Yet at the cross of Jesus, God did die. Was it, that, was it that he didn't keep his promises? How come? Was it that he didn't keep his commitments? No, it's because we haven't kept ours. Friends, Jesus took the punishment. He received the penalty for our breaches. Meaning that while Abraham sacrificed Jesus, excuse me, meaning that while Abraham sacrificed creatures, Jesus sacrificed himself for his creatures because the cross was a covenant-making ceremony. It was. Jesus was treated like an animal from our passage so that you, through faith, could walk through the middle, unscathed, unharmed, and you could come into a new relationship with God, a new covenant, come to terms with him, come to an agreement with him. And this is what it says. This is what Jesus says about this covenant. He says, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. This is about the forgiveness of sins. This is about Jesus forgiving your sins. He is binding himself by his oath to forgive you. He's binding himself in his love to, 
to, to continue only ever to do you good, which means if you come into covenant with Jesus today, if you come to terms with God, if you come and put your faith in him, you can have all of your sins, past, present, future, forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove your transgressions, sins from you. You can come and know a fresh new relationship with God. And how can we be sure? This is what Abraham says, isn't it? He says, oh Lord God, how am I to know? Oh dear friend, remember the covenant. Remember the covenant. Remember the unforgettable covenant where Jesus would not just swear on his own life, but Jesus would give his life for you. And if through this ancient ceremony we see just how committed God was to Abraham at the cross, behold how committed to you Jesus is.